going on guys farzine vasugan here with you for another episode of the chief zone podcast thank you for downloading and listening to this episode happy thanksgiving to all of you hope you all have a great and safe thanksgiving if you're traveling travel safely got a lot to get into here on this episode of the chief zone podcast obviously we're talking about the drops got to be talking about the drops on this one after the receivers dropped the ball again uh, literally and figuratively uh, definitely going to be touching on that. Uh, some of the reactions from people in Kansas City and outside of Kansas City, very interesting. I think a lot of Chiefs fans are going to be pleasantly surprised with, with some of the reactions outside of Kansas City, and I think it's time to discuss that a little bit uh, on this podcast. But what is the solution with the offense moving forward? Because I don't see the receivers getting fixed anytime soon, but... We'll get into that later. What is the solution with the receivers? How do the Chiefs move forward with this unit and try to repeat as Super Bowl champions? Going to look at the AFC standings as well. Also, Travis Kelsey did an interview with the Wall Street Journal magazine, was actually on the cover, and opened up up about his retirement plans. Uh, Might be coming sooner than a lot of people anticipated. And, of course, we'll wrap up the show Breaking down the game between the Chiefs and the Raiders in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. Going to give my score prediction for that as well. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vasugian at Farzine21 on Twitter at Farzine Vasugian on Instagram. Appreciate everyone who has been interacting with me on social media. I, 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 I mean, listen, the uh, comments are off the charts, uh, win or lose. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you guys have been awesome. Post podcast had some people call in. Big thanks to all of you who did a lot of comments. I, I, listen, I call you guys out. I, I love you all. I really do. But um, way too many comments after a loss, not as many after a win. Um, but hey, you guys are awesome. <laughs> nonetheless. Uh, won't be playing uh, many of uh, many air horns on this uh, podcast, so I uh, have to get that out there. Hey, before we move on, I'm going to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. Hey, are you traveling to Las Vegas to go see the Chiefs? Uh, still need tickets? Go to SeatGeek.com. That is a place to go. First-time customers can use my promo code Farzine. You'll get $20 off your first purchase from SeatGeek. Hey, $20 off. Not bad. Make it a holiday gift. Why not? Uh, if you go to SeatGeek.com, you see a red dot next to a ticket for any event, whether it's a Chiefs this Sunday at Allegiant Stadium or for any other Chiefs game, any other sporting event, KU basketball, K-State, Mizzou, uh, Big 12 championship coming up, any concert you want to go to, you see a red dot next to those ticket prices. Avoid that because that is a bad thing. You're going to be paying too much for that ticket. If you see a green dot next to that ticket price, that is good. You're getting the best bang for your buck, so definitely go ahead and click that and uh, purchase uh, the best seat available uh, that has a green dot next to it. SeatGeek does a great job of separating those so you know if you are getting uh, the best bang for your buck. Go to SeatGeek.com and first-time customers can use my promo code Farzine to get $20 off their first purchase from SeatGeek. That's $20 off from SeatGeek using promo code Farzine. Once again, happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Hope you all travel safely. If you're uh, staying in 
your neck of the woods, hey, not a bad idea at all. Uh, Low-key uh, holiday weekend is, uh, is always a good thing. Uh, and for those of you who are working this weekend, uh, props to you all. I was just at the grocery store, not even like Thanksgiving related. I just needed one simple thing in and out. No, uh, I mean, the grocery stores are, uh, they're basically a zoo right now. <laughs> they are a zoo. So uh, props to everyone who uh, works on the holiday weekend. I have been there before. Everyone wants to stay home, chill, relax, hang out with friends, family, whatever it is you're doing. So for those of you who are working on the holidays, uh, major props to you guys. Uh, major props to you guys. All right, let's get into it. Don't want to talk about it, but we have to. The Chiefs drop issues. Okay, what did I say after the Dolphins win? I said, look, this is the time right now in November to figure this shit out. You got to figure it out. And if you're not going to figure it out then, you're in trouble. And Andy Reid talked about how the coaching staff did spend a good part of the bye week trying to figure things out with the offense and specifically the drops, the turnovers, because that has killed the Chiefs a lot. Uh, Travis Kelsey said that exact same thing on his podcast. So did uh, so did Andy Reid. Patrick Mahomes alluded to that as well. This offense is doing a lot of things, shooting themselves in the foot. Forget the drops for a moment. Um, the penalties, okay, all right. I mean, uh, the penalties aren't like too terrible, but when they're happening at crucial times, I guess it, that's just when you notice it the most. Uh, I, I think everyone on the offensive line committed a penalty except for... Joe Tooney. Yeah, Creed Humphrey had that weird penalty in that game, but uh, I mean, neither here nor there. Uh, you guys know me. No excuses at the end of the day. Uh, that's the last thing I'll be doing. Um, this Chiefs team has got to find a way to figure it out. And and you look at time of possession um, in this game. It, it wasn't as one-sided as it felt because the Eagles were struggling on offense too. Jason Kelsey said it on his podcast where, you know, Spags is doing a lot of things. Uh, that's thrown off teams. And by the way, uh, it, at the end of the day, it's like, how does this team try to return the favor to the, to the defense? Because there's going to come a game where the defense will allow 30, maybe 40 points. Does that make them bad? No. One bad game does not make you uh, bad overall. When you look at your overall body of work, the only time that would really be costly would be in the in the playoffs. Kind of like in 2013, where the Chiefs defense really did uh, a lot of favors for the offense, carrying them to that 9-0 start. Now, don't get me wrong. Alex Smith did a lot of good things that year as well. But for as great as the defense played, and allowing 45 points in the playoffs to the Colts, especially when you had that 28-point lead, it's like, well, that's nice that you played well all year long, but it didn't matter. Kind of like the Eagles in the Super Bowl. They led the NFL in sacks by a very wide margin, but how many did they have in the Super Bowl? Absolutely none. In the biggest game of the year, that mattered the most, more than all the other games combined. Uh, so that that is my biggest fear with the Chiefs as we get closer and closer to the postseason is how are they going to try to fix some of these issues here? What is the solution? 
Um, and I said a moment ago, like, forget the drops for a moment. I mentioned everyone uh, except for Joe Tooney on the offensive line committed a penalty. Travis Kelsey committed a penalty. And then when it came to the red zone, and by the way, you guys know me, I'm very key on, like, taking the points because I think so many times when you watch football games, hindsight being 2020 because you just never know in the long run how things are going to pan out. Uh, like, look at the Cowboys-Eagles game, for example. The Cowboys kept going for it on fourth down so many times, but did, little did they know they would have so many opportunities. If they knew they would have had all those opportunities, they would have gone, they would have kicked the field goal every single time, and they probably would have won the game. Now, at the same time, maybe the Eagles would have had a little bit of a different trajectory in terms of the game plan as the uh, rest of the game would unfold. But again, you can't really go into an alternate universe and discuss that kind of thing. I'm not, I'm not big on that kind of thing. My point is... Um, when the Chiefs did go for it on fourth down, I love the call. I love the idea. I love the execution. They got it done, obviously, uh, because at that point, it's like, man, you need to get seven points. You cannot you, you can't settle for a field goal. You, you just can't. Um, so I love the idea to go for it. But then the Travis Kelsey turnover in the red zone earlier in the game, uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, give credit to Kevin Bayard. I, I, I think he made a great play getting in front of Justin Watson when Watson was really on an island. Again, I mean, Justin Watson had a touchdown all by himself in the end zone, no one near him. And again, you know, Patrick saw him again all by himself, and Kevin Byer just kind of came right by and made that play. But when you're in the red zone, you cannot be making those errors. You just can't. Uh, that's what's going to lose you football games. I'd rather turn it over in the red zone, uh, like when you're close to scoring, rather than uh, opposed to being backed up in your own red zone, because then you're just gifting points right there. Um, because the Eagles, I mean, the Eagles did not have an easy time scoring in this game. Uh, they were they were shut out in the second quarter. Um, they scored a touchdown in the third quarter and another in the fourth quarter. And Nick Wright mentioned this. The Eagles were not even in a tush-push situation until the second half. Like, the Chiefs found a way. I, I guess at this point, in order to beat the tush-push, because no one's beating it, and I don't agree with banning it. I think that's stupid. Like, just because you're getting your ass kicked by that play doesn't mean it should be banned. I, I think that's stupid. Um, but I will say this. If, you're, if you want to beat it, the best way to beat it is by not allowing them to attempt it. And by not allowing them to attempt it, you don't allow them to be in position to be able to do that kind of thing. And the Chiefs did a good job of that for the most part. I'll say this for the defense because I don't have a lot of things to say about the defense. Like Trent McDuffie, awesome. Uh, the Chiefs trading up to get him. Looking back at that now, phenomenal. Like that was a great move by Brett Veach. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun seeing Trent McDuffie for years to come. Uh, with this defense, and I hope Legereus Sneed sticks around because this could be the best cornerback duo for a long time. And, and listen, I think the jury is still out on Nazee Johnson, who the Chiefs drafted last year. Chiefs drafted a lot of cornerbacks last, last year. Um, Josh Williams, who, you know, I know he hasn't made a lot of uh, noise this year, nor has Jalen Watson, but I'd, I'd still rather have those guys on the team than not. So, uh, you know, the thing with the, the reason I bring up the defense is because the offense, they're not doing anything in the second uh, in the second half. And the defense is going to get tired about of that of that eventually, by the way, um, I'm looking at the stats from that game. The Chiefs were eight of 17 on third down. They were six of eight at halftime. So they only converted twice on third down in the second half. That's not good. 
Uh, going six of eight on third down, I, I mean, that is very impressive against a very good Eagles football team. And again, Isaiah Pacheco running well. Well, we'll get into the running in a moment, but you know, you make those red zone turnovers, you're committing all these penalties. And then on top of that, the drops. Um, obviously, the big drop was the Marquez Valdez Scantling. And uh, oh boy. Um, his social media not looking good. I think I saw him uh, post a video on his story, not not uh, of him, of someone else, and he just thought, "Hey, this is very fitting. I'll, I'll post it." And it was something to the effect of how, "Hey, your uh, negative comments aren't making you any money." Okay, we get it. You're an NFL player. You're making money, uh, which is why you should be catching the ball. You're getting paid ten, eleven million dollars a year to do that kind of thing. And look, I know a lot of people talk about MVS and how he did in green Bay. I love the addition of MVS when he came into Kansas city. I actually liked the move and thought Andy Reid would be able to help him maximize his potential. We didn't see uh, MVS hasn't been too big on drops this year. He's also not really stepping up and contributing like he did last year. I thought it was a good number two behind Juju and he did some things um, uh, filling in for Juju when he got hurt that I thought he did a great job of. This year, though, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, it's like, what are we getting from him this year? What, what is what is he now? 14 catches for 249 yards. He's averaging almost 18 yards a catch. That's cool. That's actually really cool. Um, Doesn't really matter, though, if you're not, catching those key uh, passes there. And obviously he had that fumble against Denver a couple of weeks ago. Like that's never going to help either. Um, And by the way, let's talk about the late game situation where Patrick Mahomes is throwing to guys who haven't even contributed all game long. Sky Moore getting his first reception late in the game. Marquez Valdez scaling. He had his third target of the game. And This is a guy who had zero catches the entire game. The Chiefs are relying on guys late in the game who haven't caught a pass the entire game. That's what the Chiefs were doing to try to survive and, and win. That's what they tried to do. Your best and most productive pass catcher, including Travis Kelsey, was Justin Watson. Justin Watson's not a good player. He's just not. I think he's a good depth player. And I, I listen, I know I'm self-contradicting myself because I did say recently that this guy should get more snaps. Not because he's great, but because he's better than all of the other receivers on this team. And that's not saying much. That's really not saying much at all. Rasheed Rice, a lot of people think this is the best receiver on the team all year. He had just four catches for 42. By the way, Justin Watson had five catches, was targeted 11 times. There was one play where Mahomes was throwing the ball at his direction. He beat his his uh, cornerback, uh, Justin Watson, that is, for whatever reason, Watson is running towards the safety. And my immediate thought was, okay, what was the route here? But then the more I watch it, I, I realize, wait a minute, Mahomes is throwing this pass very close to the sidelines in a place where only Justin Watson can make a play like this is not unless someone's got uh, some impressive basketball ups here. You're not picking off this pass. Maybe at best the defensive back can deflect it. But even then, that's a tall order the way Mahomes threw this ball and tried to hit Justin Watson with it. But Justin Watson was running in a different direction here. So. You know, I mentioned the, uh, the the turnovers and the penalty. On top of that, 
the receivers are not running the right routes. And Travis Kelsey even brought this up after the Broncos lost. Guy's not running the right routes. And he you know, raised his hand and said he's guilty of it as well. But obviously, it's not just him. Like everyone else is, is responsible for this as well. So a lot of things are just not clicking on the offensive side. Now, let's go back to I mentioned Isaiah Pacheco, who actually had a great day against the number one rushing defense in the NFL. As a matter of fact, Isaiah Pacheco, I think, uh, played a better game than DeAndre Swift. Um, you look at Pacheco in this game, and that's just on the ground. I know they used Swift a lot through the air, and that definitely helped. That did a lot of damage against Kansas City's defense in addition to the Devontae Smith catch. Uh, but you look at Isaiah Pacheco. He had 12 rushes in the first half and was basically gashing this number one run defense, which I said before the game, I said, this is a concern of mine. And Isaiah Pacheco, man, I mean, this guy proved he can be one of the best running backs in the NFL. But you run the ball with him 12 times. You only run it seven times with him in the second half. By the way, uh, to be clear, 12 times in the first half, seven in the second half. And listen, I get it. 19 carries is a lot in one game, especially in Andy Reid's offense. But when this is what's working, why do you shy away from it? Even when the Chiefs committed a holding penalty and it became first and 20 at one point in the second half, Andy Reid still called for a run play. I'm like, awesome, great, more of this, please. Because 90% of play callers would have probably called a passing play in that situation. I remember, uh, you know, back when the Chiefs had guys like Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, Jamal Charles, and it would be uh, third and very long, like third and 15, 19, 20, something, something along those lines, you would still see the Chiefs call for running plays, and it would work sometimes. Crazy enough, you would pick up the first down because that's what the Chiefs... Now, I'm not saying in a third and 19 situation today I would want to see the Chiefs do that, Um but on first and 20, when they were still running the ball, even Jarek McKinnon got involved a little bit in, in you know, just one carry. But that was a huge carry that he had. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he ran twice, one for 12 yards and another for eight yards. And you all know we all love to pick on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, very small sample size, but the three times that CEH and Jarek McKinnon carried the ball, they combined for 27 yards. I mean, it's almost 30 yards right there off three carries. Uh, so obviously that is way over the uh, preferred average per carry that you want yard per carry average there. So for the Chiefs to just shy away from the running game, to me, it's like, and by the way, I know what people are going to say. Well, yeah, the Eagles made adjustments. Okay, so what's the next option here? Throw it to the receiving corp that's Basically been dropping passes. They lead the league in dropped passes. Okay. 26. Even Garrick Dieter, who knows a lot of these guys, was like, dude, 26 drops? That's wild. Um something's just not clicking with this with this Chiefs unit right now. And let me say this. It would be one thing. Remember in 2010, to 2008, 2009, 2010. Uh, almost his entire career, as great as he was of a player, the one big error that Dwayne Bow had were, were the drops. Everyone was frustrated with that. And I think the most infamous drop, technically it was not a, I don't think this counts as a drop. It's a fumble. Um, it's, it's not a drop. But it was an onside kick recovery where the Chargers were basically in peril. Dwayne Bow had it in his hands, on his chest, and it just slips out, and the Chargers recover, and they go on to win the game. 
uh, back in to late 2008, I think it was. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was the game that that Carl Peterson was forced to resign, aka told to that he would get fired. So, um, to, to to me, it's like you see that. Okay, that was just one player in that era, and again. Chiefs were very patient with him because he was really all they had, um, despite the consistent issues with drops. But this unit right now, this is a this is a Chiefs team that the entire wide receiver room is dropping passes here. Let me just pull up the uh, Chiefs roster on our lads. Uh, shout out to Dan Shanka, friend of the, of the podcast. Um, he's opened up about this. He's had some health issues, so hopefully he's doing well. Hopefully he's doing better. Um, haven't had a chance to reach out to him lately, so I definitely want to check on him, see how he's doing. But he and his team do a great job at ourlads.com with their uh, depth charts. But look at the wide receivers, okay? MVS, uh, he's had a couple. He had the uh, the the infamous drop this past Monday, and he had the uh, fumble against the Broncos, which definitely hurt the Chiefs on a drive where they were starting to pick things up. Justin Watson, uh, he had a couple drops in this one. Uh, he had uh, another drop earlier this season, Rasheed Rice, even though he's been the most popular receiver this year by the team. He's had some drops as well. Uh, and it wasn't just Mahomes. Even in that Chicago Bears game when Blaine Gabbert came in during the blowout win, uh, he was dropping passes. Uh, one of them, I think, was tipped for an interception, too. Uh, Sky Moore is at his drops. Kadarius Tony, everyone remembers week one and the drops he had. McCole Hardman, which... At this point, it's like, what was the point of that trade? Now we know why the Jets basically didn't demand diddly shit for this guy. Um, listen, I I love what McColl did his first two years in Kansas City. Since then, man, he has not just been that guy. I, and I I don't I don't want to be harsh or anything here. I hope this is his last year in Kansas City. I, I at this point, it's like, okay, we know you possess this awesome speed. Um but it's not being put to good use. You, you can't use your speed if you're not catching passes. Richie James, I saw a tweet, um, and I've yet to verify this, but I'll just take this person's word for it. Uh, I saw a tweet. Someone was, um, and this person, I, I, I don't remember who it was, uh, but they basically said that Richie James has a very high catch percentage this year for the Chiefs. Uh, okay. I mean, this is what we have to go off right now. Like, we're relying on Richie James to be the savior. Uh, he was not as productive, but he was like the most productive receiver for the Giants last year. Um, but this is kind of what you're... Uh, oh, by the way, a correction. Richie James only has one catch this year. So I'm guessing this is for his entire career. Because there's no way it's it's based off this season. Um because he only has three targets this year due to injury, but you get the idea. Uh, but he's expected to come back soon. And I know Dave Tobe said that he is the preferred return specialist. So make what you want out of that. Uh, I'm not really here to talk about special teams. It's not really a concern of mine, though. I will say Harrison Butker, perfect all year long, made every single PAT and field goal this year. Uh, so good on him. But um, to me, this is a coaching issue when it's happening to everybody. And I mean, everybody, even Montreal, Washington, who I don't think he's been targeted on offense this year when he has played for the Chiefs, but he has dropped a fumbled a punt return, I should say. So to McCall Hardman. So 
I don't know. At this point, it's like, okay, I get it. The receivers are just bad. They're they're not good at catching the ball. I'm not mad at the receivers anymore. At this point, my anger and frustration has kind of shifted from the receivers to the coaches. What are the coaches doing? Because I said this earlier this year. This is a very easy fix to to make, okay? If um I mean, if these guys were just bad, it'd be like, okay, like they can't run the right routes. They're they're, they're struggling to even get open. They, they can't even do any of that. Don't get me wrong. Route running has been an issue, and I said that earlier on, but it's not like these guys can't play at all, okay? Um, but it, it's like, okay, you've had time to address this. Today's date is November the 22nd, and we're here. So if this is, not, if this is still an issue today on November the 22nd, I don't know at this point, like when, what is going to fix Andy Reid said in the press conference and so did Patrick Mahomes that we're going to get this fixed. Travis Kelsey said on the podcast, I've heard this all year long and I've heard the national media say from week one, Hey, the chiefs will be okay. They'll figure it out. It's November the 22nd, man. It's not September the 17th or whatever the date was for the, um, for the home opener, uh, this year. Um, you got to figure it out. Uh, by the way, September the 7th. I don't know why I said the 17th. Um, it, it We're here now. It's been two and a half months. The issues you had two and a half months ago are still happening today. So I don't know at this rate what confidence do we have left. Uh, now, I do want to touch on the wide receivers coach, Connor Embry, because he did a press conference on Friday. The Normally, the coordinators do... Um, uh, their pressers on Thursday. Now, because this was a Monday night game, uh, Friday was a Thursday. So it, listen, if you know the NFL schedule and how that all works at the NFL clock, you know what I mean? I'm not going to elaborate on that much, but uh, because it was a Monday night uh, game, everything was pushed back one day. So uh, we saw the position coaches do press conferences and Connor Embry. And listen, I'm, I'm a little familiar with him. I actually went to the same high school as him and his older brother also, a uh, an assistant coach in the NFL. His dad is, is an assistant coach. Was actually the tight ends coach for the Chiefs, and he uh, was the head coach of Colorado at one point. And he was also in San Francisco when the Chiefs and 49ers met in the Super Bowl. In fact, um, John Embry, the father, and Taylor Embry, uh, Connor's older brother, they were both uh, in San Francisco when the Chiefs and 49ers played. So uh, Connor's been in here for a while. This is his first year as the wide receivers coach. He was an offensive quality control coach. Um, he did a press conference. He's done a couple of press conferences, and he seemed just fine. But last Friday, and I don't know if he was having a bad day, if he was nervous, what the deal was. Dude, he could not. I mean, he had a really difficult time just talking to the media and it, the things that he was saying about the, the unit, he didn't sound like he was confident at all with this group. Um, listen, I, for as much as people complain about Matt Nagy, Nagy is still, you know, facing the media and speaking with pride and confidence about his unit. Uh, a lot of people, all I'm saying is a lot of people on social media lit this guy up. Now, listen, I have been questioning the wide receivers coach for a few weeks now, well before that press conference. At this point, when everyone on the wide receiver train has dropped the pass at least multiple times, I'm starting to think it's coaching, man. I think Andy Reid bears some of the responsibility. I think so does Matt Nagy. But as a position coach... 
It's on you. And by the way, a lot of people agreed with me on this, but a lot of people also pushed back and said, the wide receivers coach is not catching passes. Guys, I'm aware of that, okay? I'm very well aware that coaches are not the ones on the field. But when the entire unit is dropping passes, why is that? Because at this point, I'm like I said, I'm not mad at the receivers anymore. I know the receivers are, at this point, um, they are not capable of doing their jobs at this point. I, I, I'm just not going to be angry about it anymore. Uh, they, they, they just, they, they look like a deer in the headlights when a, a pass is coming at their direction. But that means that this has to be a coaching issue. How, how does it not? How is it not on coaching? If the entire unit has the same problem, that tells you this is a coaching issue. 100%. I know Juwan Taylor has been very gu- guilty of a lot of penalties this year, but in general, the Chiefs' pass blocking has been very good this year. They've allowed the fewest sacks in the NFL, and I think Mahomes, uh, his scrambling ability has helped with that. But uh, And by the way, that total, I think, is 13 sacks. Well, why is that? Probably because when you look at the Chiefs' coaching staff, um, they do a good job, starting with Andy Reid and what he's done with the um, with the offense in general. Obviously, an offensive guru. A lot of people have, have said that about him. Uh, you look at Matt Nagy and what he's done with his coach, uh, with his experience as an offensive coach over the years, and then you look at the offensive line coach Andy Heck. I mean, this is someone who has uh, done a great job with this offensive line, especially since Brett Veach has helped revamp it. But you still have to have the right coaches in place to put these guys in position to succeed. So, uh, yeah, it's not a big shocker to me that the offensive line is doing well. And I think, you know, Andy Heck, the position coach, uh, the offensive line coach gets credit for that. Um, the receivers, they're not, they're not getting their shit together. Let, let's, let's be honest and call a spade a spade, folks. They are not getting their shit together. It is November the 22nd. We're heading into week 12. And we're getting ready to play a division rival that we do not want to lose to. And you know a lot of Chiefs fans will be there. I think it's time to, to kind of question, like, what's going on with John Embry? Uh, why is... Wh- 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 why are these issues continuing? Um, and a lot of people are talking about how he's young and inexperienced. Um, I don't care about that at all. Like, if Andy Reid handpicks someone to be the receivers coach, I trust that at the end of the day. Um but I, I think it's valid to question his coaching this year, 100%. So I'll leave it at that. I will say this, though. Despite the drops, there are a lot of people in the national media that still feel very high about the Kansas City Chiefs. Very high. Pat McAfee, Dan Orlovsky, Kevin Wilds, Chris Boussard. Uh, in fact, I think McAfee, Orlovsky, and Wilds said that they still think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl this year. I'll be honest, man. My confidence for the Super Bowl has gone down after Monday night. 100%. Not because of the defense. I mean, we already went over that. Um, but there are a lot of people outside of Kansas City. And listen, I, I, I Monday morning, or I'm sorry, Tuesday morning, switching through all these national radio stations and listening to what people have to say. A lot of people. Uh, feeling pretty good about the Chiefs still. In fact, Orlovsky said something interesting, which I don't agree with everything he said, but he talked about how the Chiefs, 
outplayed the Eagles and were better than the Eagles. And and I think somebody else said, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Chris Broussard who said that the Chiefs were the better team. Um, listen, let me just give my stance on this. I don't agree with the whole, like whenever a, a, a very good team loses a close game, yeah, but we were the better team. We had this and more yards and all that. Yeah, but who won? Okay, who who won the game? Who won the game? Um, because I, I heard this in Super Bowl 57, like the after the game. Oh, well, the Eagles were better. Jalen Hurts played better than Patrick Mahomes. And the Eagles did so many uh, things better than the Chiefs in this game. Who won the game? The biggest game of the year. Who won? Not the team that outplayed this listen you don't get trophies for outplaying someone okay um unpopular opinion if you win you outplayed your opponents i'm just saying that right now if you win that is outplaying the opposing team by winning you don't if you did not beat your opponents you did not outplay shit i'm sorry like i'm not here for moral victories i'm not here to sugarcoat anything i'm just not um, and I don't mean to sound like a Debbie Downer on this podcast. I know I I, I am on this one, but I'm not here to you, listen. You guys, you guys know me. I've been podcasting since 07. Uh, so you, you guys remember those years. Okay. Uh, I never sugarcoated anything back then, but there are a lot of people outside of Kansas city who feel very good about this chief's team moving forward. Do you feel the same way? You, I, that's up to you. You decide on that. Got to give another shout out here to uh, another sponsor of ours, Cable Dahmer Cadillac in Kansas City. Hey, you guys know 435 State Line and uh, just about northeast of that, you've got Cable Dahmer Cadillac in Kansas City. This is where I went and got my Cadillac last month. Uh, My brother got a Cadillac from Cable Dahmer Cadillac from Scott Toddy, same guy I went to. So uh, Scott obviously knows the family. And I'll tell you what, man, Scott's very professional, very good, very knowledgeable, knows a lot of things and definitely helped me make my purchase. And I'll tell you what, if you guys want a Cadillac, you want another vehicle, go to Scott Toddy at Cable Dahmer Cadillac can definitely help you with your bar, by car, car buying needs, excuse me, new or used. Go to Cable Dahmer Cadillac, tell them Farzine sent you. And I'll tell you what, man, you're in for a treat here because I've never had this before with a vehicle. Whenever I purchased a new vehicle in the past, I've never had this before, but I did have it at Cable Dahmer Cadillac with all the bells and whistles that come with a brand new vehicle in 2023, 2024. Uh, you have all these features that you have never seen before. They have someone to walk you through with it. Shout out to Mike. Uh, he actually told me he follows the podcast. So shout out to him uh, and uh, everything uh, as a follower and also helping me get familiar with my Cadillac. Because there were a lot of features on that thing that I had no idea about. And uh, he definitely helped me get familiar with it. When I left the, the dealership, I knew everything about the Cadillac that I needed to know. Go to Cable Dama Cadillac. Tell him Farzine sent you. Ask for Scott Toddy, and he will help you find the car you need. Okay, uh, moving on. Um, by the way, uh, I forgot to mention this at, at the beginning of the podcast. Apologies for not doing a live show Tuesday night. I'm just telling you right now, um, and it's kind of Thanksgiving related, but also not. Uh, this has been a very wild week for me. I have not had a chance to do a podcast. Uh, I said I was going to do it late Tuesday night for our preview. I'm actually doing this Wednesday morning. It is 6.35 right now. <laughs> so uh, I, I started this podcast. Let's see, we're 30, almost 35 minutes in. Yeah, started this at 6.01. Uh, that, that early, that early doing the podcast. Um, so apologies for not doing a live podcast. Uh, a lot of people were asking, Hey, where's, where's the podcast? Um, 
So yeah, you're, uh, everyone's going to be listening to the archived version this week. Uh, also this week, uh, just because of everything going on, um, uh, but with time constraints and everything, uh, we're not going to be doing a uh, week 11 roundup and a week 12 preview, but we are going to still do a, a different version of that. And more so just look at the standings here, because I think it is very important that we look at the division, uh, excuse me, the conference rather, because we're at a point right now where, you know, the Chiefs don't have the number one seed at the moment, and that's not a huge deal. Um, we can definitely we can definitely take a look at that in a moment, but um, I, the Chiefs will get it back. Uh, by the way, one key reason the Chiefs don't have a, uh, the number one seed is because the Ravens have yet to have their bye week. They will get that uh, in the next game. In fact, Sunday night, Chargers and Ravens, Guess who we're rooting for? Sure as hell not the Ravens. Um, and listen, the Chargers are absolute. The Chargers, by the way, I don't want to get into this too much. The Chargers are the worst team in the AFC West right now. I did not see that coming in going into Week 12. No, no way in hell I would have said the Chargers would be the worst team. But here we are. Um, so you look at the AFC right now. You've got the Ravens who have the number one seed at the moment. The Chiefs are uh, at, uh, holding the number two seed. And by the way, there is a four-way tie. Chiefs seven and three, Jacksonville seven and three, Dolphins seven and three, and the Browns are seven and three. And by the way, um, the Browns obviously are not like in position for the number two seed because they're behind Baltimore in that division. Um, and by the way, give credit to Cleveland because everybody wrote off Cleveland after the Deshaun Watson injury. They're the second best team in what everyone's calling the toughest division in the NFL. Obviously, it, it, you know, in terms of like total quality wins and everything like that's going to go down because the Bengals, I mean, their season is essentially over with Joe Burrow gone. Um, and I think there needs to be a discussion about whether or not this guy's injury prone. I mean, you just paid him a lot of money. Your offensive line is not very good, and that needs to be rebuilt in the offseason if you want to protect Joe Burrow. And even then, you're already struggling there because guess who is allowing the NFL and QB pressures this year? Yeah. The guy they overpaid, Orlando Brown. And by the way, I'm starting to see Bengals fans online. They're starting to say, oh, yeah, Chiefs fans were right. I even saw one comment. Somebody um, sent me a list of comments from like a Bengals Facebook group. Somebody wrote um, somebody wrote that uh, they thought Chiefs fans were just bitter haters. And now they're admitting that Chiefs fans are right. Yeah. Uh, this is one of those like, hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. Uh, it's, yeah, it's one of those things. Um, but anyway, looking at the conference. There's a three-way tie, essentially, because we can't really include Cleveland for the number two seed. And if you are Kansas City, you have that advantage because you beat Jacksonville, you beat Miami, we're not the prettiest of wins, but still beat them. So at the end of the day, and by the way, Baltimore, as great as they've been, and I think they um, they lead the NFL in net points, they have the second most points behind Miami. Um, and again, part of that is because they've yet to take their bye week. They do lead the NFL in net points, though. That is probably the um, the biggest one right there. By the way, the Chiefs uh, are fourth in that category, but a very big gap, even from one and two. Like the Bills, they're six and five, but have the uh, second most net points in the AFC. Miami, they're third. There's an even bigger gap there, but they've got 67 points. Um, 
that's 67 uh, net positive points, that is, and the Chiefs are at 61. So, you know, listen, for as frustrating as it has been for the Chiefs, it doesn't, that's a key category right there at the end of the day. That to me is going to be the uh, the difference maker moving forward. So, if you're the Chiefs, yeah, this loss sucks. But, and I heard Mark Van Sickle say this on KCMO if the Chiefs and Ravens win out, the Chiefs do get the number one seed. Again, the Chiefs don't have it at the moment because Baltimore has a half-game lead since they haven't had the bye week yet. They've played more games in Kansas City. And I mentioned Sunday Night Football, Ravens-Chargers. Once that game is over, the Ravens will have their bye week the, the following week. And then, at that point, we'll, we'll then see a change there. So if the Chiefs can avoid losses here, and it's going to be very key, they'll be in position to get the number one seed back. Let's look at the schedule for a moment here. Okay, you're playing the Raiders. We'll get to that in a moment. You have the Raiders twice. You got Green Bay. They have not been very good. That is a Sunday night game on December the 3rd. You've got the Buffalo Bills on December the 10th. They've been very inconsistent. Uh, they've had Kansas City's number in the regular season, but not in the postseason. But none of that matters uh, for, for this game. You've got the Patriots. This is the worst team in the NFL by a mile. Okay. Um, like I don't care. Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, you, you have to destroy this team. You got the Raiders again on Christmas. Then you got the Bengals on New Year's Eve. Um, they obviously don't have Joe Burrow and they've got the worst offensive line in football. So, uh, listen, man, outside of Buffalo, this is a very, very easy ske- schedule. And by the way, the last game is L.A., so we'll see you know, how key that is because L.A. has not been very good this year. You know, I, I don't want to sit here with all this confidence because this has not been a very confident podcast, but you look at that schedule right there, and I think with the playoff race heating up, I've always said like mid-November, basically like close to Thanksgiving, that's when the playoff race heats up. I think if you gave the schedule to anybody, this is the schedule they would want to have to close out out the season because there are a lot of winnable games. Again, obviously games are not won on paper, but man, um, I don't think the NFL schedule makers could have made it any easier on Kansas City. This is the part where everyone complains that the league is rigged and in favor of Kansas City and blah, 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 blah. yeah, I don't. I don't think this is a. This is a. Um, this is really a daunting schedule. And you know how things work. You, you know, it's getting colder. No one's 100. percent Everyone's tired. Everyone's exhausted. Unfortunately, you're going to have some injuries that unexpectedly come up late in the year. That'll be season-ending and could impact the start of next season. That's just the way the sport works. So if the Chiefs can stay healthy, man. And by the way, they're getting Nick Bolton back in a, about three weeks, maybe three, four weeks. And that can only help with how great this defense is playing. So, yeah, got to win these games. Got to win these games here. Very, very key. Last break before we go to our Chiefs Raiders breakdown. Got to talk about Manscaped, another great and proud sponsor of ours. Manscaped's been with us. 
for a while now, uh, both on the Chief Zone and on Farscast. Uh, Manscaped does a great job with their products here. Listen, uh, gentlemen, we've all had below the belt accidents. We've all been there trying to take care of uh, take care of the body down there. Uh, yeah, we've had uh, we've had some uh, some bloodshed down there. Everyone has at some point or another. And I'll tell you what, Manscaped helps reduce that. They do a great job with the lawnmower. Uh, I started out with the lawnmower 4.0, and I'll tell you what, I used that for the first time. This might be one of the best products I've ever had. Uh, one of the best things in sliced bread. I will put it that way. And now comes out the lawnmower 5.0. And if you thought the lawnmower 4.0 was good, the 5.0 is even better. It's bigger. It's lighter. The LED light on that is even better and bigger. That is very key. Um, listen, I have one for myself. I got one for my brother. got one for my dad. Ladies, if you got a gentleman in your life, whether it's your boyfriend, your husband, uh, whoever it is, your father, your grandfather, this is definitely something that they would want to have. And I know what a lot of you are thinking. Isn't this an awkward gift to give to a father? Yeah, it is. But trust me, once they start using this, they are going to love it. It's going to be one of the best things they've ever had. Gentlemen and ladies, Help the gentleman in your life join the 7 million men who trust Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com. Use my promo code FARZINE20. You will get 20% off and free shipping. Again, that is promo code FARZINE20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. When you check out, whether it's a lawnmower 5.0, the Beard Hedger, uh, whatever it is, uh, they've got a lot of great products on there. My Personal preference is the lawnmower 5.0. Get that. You will be happy. Again, promo code FARZINE20 for 20% off and free shipping. All right, before we get into the uh, Chiefs and Raiders breakdown, I don't want to forget about this. Uh, so Travis Kelsey was on the cover of the Wall Street Journal magazine. And in that article, obviously, when you do uh, when you're on the cover of these uh, these magazines, I know uh, he did another one in the offseason. Uh, you always uh, give them an interview and you open up. Uh, you basically get a chance to, as the interviewer, talk about things that they may not talk about elsewhere. Um, but uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, he's been asked about this for a while. Obviously, he turned 34 during the season. And he has said in many interviews before the season started that he is planning on playing uh, for a while, doesn't plan on stopping anytime soon. Now, what has happened since then? Unfortunately, he had that knee injury in practice right before the season opener against the Detroit Lions. Not very good there. Uh, obviously, he missed that game against Detroit. And then uh, against the Minnesota Vikings, suffered that uh, lower body injury, that ankle injury there. So Travis Kelsey has had multiple injuries this year and at one point was statistically the best tight end in the NFL. But he's taken steps back, has not played his best football yet. Some people think uh, that lovely lady in his life is uh, causing a distraction. As if, you know, none of these players, you know, have had, you know, super hot. Listen, there are a lot of, uh, if you just follow any of these players on social media, obviously they'll post pictures of themselves with their girl and friends, all that. Listen, they got a lot of, a lot of cuties, okay? Uh, now, not all of them are Taylor Swift, you know, an international superstar. Um, listen, it was his bye week. Okay. I, I know people are bringing that up. I know it was brought up, uh, back in, uh, the, um, the world series that on Friday night, you know, even though he goes on charter flights and everything, it's not like he's going commercial, 
but that was still a big deal. It was brought up by Nick Lowry and uh, several other people as well. I, I know, um, I think Shannon Sharp brought it up as well, too. A lot of people uh, are on Travis Kelsey right now because his personal life is basically under a microscope to a lot of people. Um, and I said this, like, you know, even when the Taylor Swift video went viral with the two of them kissing uh, after her concert, it's like, okay, now it's uh, now it's going to be a story uh, for, for football-related reasons. Because in this interview with Wall Street Journal magazine, he opened up about retirement. And he said he has been contemplating it. He talked about the 10 surgeries that he has had, and he feels every single one of them. Uh, listen, I'm not an athlete. I've had multiple knee surgeries on the same knee. I When he says that he can still feel them like lingering as he's you know playing and whatnot, I know what he's talking about, okay? It uh, doesn't take an athlete to understand that perspective, uh, th- that side of things. Now, uh, two injuries this year? Yeah, I can understand why he's contemplating retirement. Let me make a quick comparison here, because I did this during the pregame live chat on Monday, and a lot of people actually like understood this comparison here. So if you didn't hear it, I essentially compared Travis Kelsey to The Rock. Now, what was The Rock's initial... Like, how, how did people know The Rock? Yeah, he played at Miami and played in the CFL, but everybody knows The Rock for what he did in WWE. By the way, um, I remember one holiday years ago, uh, my parents, uh, their friends and their kids, they um, we, we just had a get-together years ago, and they made a reference to Dwayne Johnson. I'm like, oh, you guys know who Dwayne Johnson is? They're like, yeah, he, he hosted the, the uh, People's uh, Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards. I'm like, oh, that's what you know him for. And I showed him uh, on my phone a clip of him in WWE. They're like, why the hell is he in underwear? They had no idea who this guy was. That was like my first moment ever in life where I'm like, okay, I feel old. I I feel old. But anyway, everyone knows The Rock came from WWE, WWF, whatever you want to call it. Nation of Domination, the rivalry against DX, all that good stuff. But what happened shortly after that? The Rock got a call from Hollywood and said, hey, you are the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. You are awesome. Everybody loves you. Everyone thinks you're the coolest thing ever. We want you to be in The Mummy. And then a year later, we want you to do Rundown and then um, Walking Tall and then Gridiron Gang and all these other movies. And since then, his life has taken a big turn. Uh, now, for those of you familiar with wrestling, it's not really the most glorious lifestyle. You're on the road 52 times a week. <laughs> 52 times a week, you're on the road. You really have no life if you are a WWE superstar. I don't even know why. Like, next to politicians, I don't know why anyone would want to do pro wrestling, uh, specifically WWE, because you're traveling all the time. You don't have a break ever. Like, I don't even, I think uh, I read this book. One of my favorite books I've ever read was called Are We There Yet? And it basically goes into the life of these WWE wrestlers. It's essentially like diaries from different wrestlers, too, talking about their life as a WWE wrestler on the road all the time. It's actually a very fascinating read. Uh, if any of you guys ever uh, want to get uh, want to read that, definitely a good thing to read on the road. Um, uh, but check that out. Uh, anyway, the point I'm trying to make is uh, Hulk Hogan was on Rogan's podcast recently and talked about just how daunting it is to travel 
this much. Jonathan Coachman, a Kansas City guy, uh, he was on another podcast, and he talked about how he thinks it's ridiculous to work 52 times a week, and that's why he got away from that and quickly took a job at ESPN, and he's done some different things here and there. Why do you think The Rock left WWE for movies? Okay, what, like, what, what, what do you think The Rock enjoys more? Do you think he enjoys wrestling 52 times a week on the road? Not just that, you know, you do a lot of shows that are not broadcast. You, you go to a lot of regional events, too. A lot of smaller markets that do shows. Do you think he enjoys that? Or do you think he enjoyed being the Tooth Fairy? He enjoyed being the Tooth Fairy. That's less demanding physically, mentally, emotionally. Now, football players don't have the travel schedule that WWE wrestlers have, but it is a very physical sport. Very physical. And listen, with all the traveling Travis Kelsey's doing, and I don't care if you're on first class charter flight, whatever it is, um, that can still get to you eventually. Uh, like flying is not the most enjoyable thing in the world. I don't care how much money you're making. Uh, it can, um, it can eventually get to you. And Travis Kelsey, we all saw what he did Saturday night live and all these commercials that he's in. This guy's got a career outside of pro football. There are very few athletes that can have a career post-retirement that can continue to make them millions and millions of dollars. Travis Kelsey, he's at a place where he can do that with, with acting and entertainment. And with the injuries that he's been dealing with lately, I would not be shocked if this was his last year. If the Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year, Travis Kelsey's done. I can see him riding off into the sunset on a high third Super Bowl ring, leaving Kansas City. Maybe he stays in Kansas City. I don't know. But he's off doing bigger things in Hollywood after that. Now, if the Chiefs don't win, I can see him wanting to come back one more year to try to maybe right whatever wrongs have been going on this year. Because I don't know if he wants to go out like this with the way the, um, the Chiefs have been playing offensively. But my point is, Travis Kelsey has this massive opportunity outside of pro football, and it's going to be physically less taxing, emotionally probably going to be less frustrating. And I think, you know, for his mental state, it's going to be good. He's going to be, he's going to have chances to spend a lot of time with his nieces who, you know, we've gotten to know a little bit on the new Heights podcast, mama, Kelsey, T Swift, you know, I mean, he's, he, he has a lot of uh, time to do more of those things if he leaves pro football for Hollywood. So, uh, listen, as a kid, going back to the rock comparison one more time real quickly, as a kid, I'm like, why? Why would you leave wrestling? It's cooler. It's better. He was awesome at it. That's where he got to start. Now, like, you know, being an, as an adult, I'm looking back. It's like, I fucking get it, man. You, you got to do what's best for you. I get it. Um, listen, Joe Rogan, not that there's been full, full confirmation of this, but um, there's been a lot of talk about him possibly walking away from the UFC and just enjoying his podcast and maybe doing comedy shows once in a while. I get it. Um, not that Rogan has this demanding schedule in his life, but there are times where it's like, you just think it's time. It, it is time to put it to bed, put it to rest and move on. Um, but listen, I would love to be in Travis Kelsey's shoes. The guy has had a fascinating 12 months, everything he's done. And, not only, like, like, listen, let's just say the Chiefs never win a game the rest of the year. 
Travis Kelsey can walk away and say, look, this is just not for me anymore. I'm done playing football. I've got another bright career ahead of me. How many athletes can say that? There, there's no one in this world, like normal people who can say that kind of thing. But how many pro athletes can say they can make millions of more dollars and have less stress mentally, physically, emotionally doing something else? This is a very rare opportunity. So it would not shock me one bit, even if the Chiefs don't win the Super Bowl, Super Bowl, it would not shock me one bit if this was Travis Kelsey's final year playing football. I know a lot of people don't want to hear it, but that is a reality at the end of the day. And it's going to be a sad day because, um, you know, we thought we would never see a good tight end when Tony Gonzalez was traded to Atlanta. Man, you got someone better. And there's no way in hell you're ever going to top Travis Kelsey. Like, topping Tony Gonzalez, that was already difficult. There's no way you're going to get anything better than Travis Kelsey at the tight end position. There is no way you can do that. It's kind of like the Packers. They had Brett Favre and then Aaron Rodgers for 31 years combined, I think. That that is impossible to do. Um, Damn near impossible. So, uh, listen. Uh, luck plays a role in that sometimes, especially with Kelsey falling to the third round. Uh, but you just got to enjoy uh, the good times while they last. And I don't think it'll last much longer, to be honest with you. Uh, maybe maybe one more year at best. That's my guess. All right, let's get into it. Raiders Chiefs preview here. Announcers for this game. If you're watching this game, you are going to be in for a treat because it is everyone's favorite duo in Kansas City. Kevin Harlan and Trent Green. You already know it. The Raiders fans are going to be complaining about the announcers because they're both they're both KC guys. They both have uh, they, they both were with the Chiefs at one point, and they both still live in Kansas City. So we already know uh, the uh, the biasness coming with uh, with this crew here. So I'm excited to see uh, how this goes. This uh, this will be a lot of fun. <laughs> Land Clark going to be the referee. Antonio Pierce, the head coach. Antonio P- Pierce is a former player of Steve Spagnolo. Steve Spagnolo compared Antonio Pierce to Nick Bolton, which I thought was interesting. And Spags actually had conversations about Antonio Pierce coaching in football and said, hey, look, why don't you start with high school and just go from there, see how you like it. And here he is. He's now a head coach in the NFL. Um, and hey, so far, not too bad. Obviously, the Raiders are in a weird spot and you're firing McDaniels. But um, so far, you know, people in Las Vegas, they're happy with him. They're definitely happy with him. Now, overall body of work has not been great. Brian Johnson, he's been elevated to become the offensive coordinator after they fired their offensive coordinator with Josh McDaniels. Fourth worst in total offense, 22nd in passing, 31st in rushing, second worst. And uh, 26th in points per game, scoring just under 17 points per game. The Raiders also have a minus seven turnover differential. That is the second worst in the NFL. So you have all of that. And they had Jimmy G uh, for most of this year, but they haven't been happy with his production. Uh, They signed him to that weird three-year, 60-some million dollar uh, deal, I think it was. And if I'm not mistaken, they even restructured it before the season even started, which, you know, I I kind of question that right there. But a uh, topic for another time. Nonetheless, though, um, the Raiders just have not been very good 
this year, taking care of the football, moving the football. Yes, they have Devontae Adams, but outside of him, they don't really have much. Aiden O'Connell taking control now of the offense. Uh, started four games this year. He's played in another one. He started the week four game when Jimmy G was hurt. He threw for 238 yards, and that one was 24 of 39 passing. Didn't have a touchdown, but did run in that one against the Chargers. Uh, was sacked seven times, though. That was when Khalil Mack was off to that wild, wild start. Actually came very close to breaking Derek Thomas's or tying Derek Thomas's single-game record. Uh, now, you look at the last three games where he's been starting. 56 of 93 passing, that's 60%. 211 yards per game. He threw for 271 yards against Miami. That is the best he's had so far as a rookie. And I didn't mention that. He is a rookie this year, drafted in the fourth round. Uh, was sacked five times against Miami. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. He, he's been sacked five times in the in the last three games. Correction there. Uh, in these three games, he's thrown two touchdowns and four picks. He threw three picks against Miami. So overall, total this year, three touchdowns, six interceptions. So quarterback play, not very good. And then you look at the running backs right now, Josh Jacobs, who was obviously in a, a bit of a standoff with the team in the offseason with uh, the contract situation. 661 yards, seventh best in the NFL, averaging a whopping 3.3 yards per carry. He leads the NFL with 200 carries, exactly 200. So might be wondering, how is it that he's seventh in the NFL but has that low of, a, of an average? They run the ball with him a lot. And I can understand why when Aiden O'Connell is your quarterback with Jimmy G being your previous quarterback, you probably rely on Josh Jacobs more. And that's not really a good thing because he hasn't played very well this year. Devontae Adams, he's been playing well, 741 yards, 13th most in the NFL, 64 catches out of 111 attempts. He's been targeted the second most of any wide receiver, any pass catcher this year. Keenan Allen has the most with 113 targets, but at least has 83 catches. Stephon Diggs, he has 77 catches off 110 targets. And Tyreek Hill, he has caught 79 balls with 108 thrown at his direction. Those are the top four players in uh, most targeted receivers this year. Devontae Adams, man, only 64 of them caught. Not very good. Not very good at all. Uh, Jacoby Myers, a solid number two receiver, 512 yards, five touchdowns, leading the team in touchdown catches this year. Hunter Renfro, who I think is another good depth wide receiver for them, 20 catches, 224 yards, not having as good of a season as he's had as he's had in years past, though. Rookie tight end Michael Mayer, second rounder from Notre Dame, 20 catches for 224 yards and a touchdown. So uh, Hunter Renfro and, and Mayer, definitely guys that kind of help try to Push this passing game a little more, even though it's not very good in general. 22nd in the NFL with two different quarterbacks. Uh, their center and right guard, pretty good. Andre James, their center and their right guard. Greg Van Roten, uh, been there a few years, and they've done a pretty good job uh, with uh, what they've done in the NFL so far. So that is your Raiders offense there. Not very good in general, though, as a team. You look at the Raiders defense. The numbers aren't good, but they do have that big weapon that I would say secret weapon, but everybody already knows Max Crosby and everything he does. The Raiders, uh, by the way, defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, 21st in total defense, 11th against the pass, 27th against the run. I mean, listen, if Isaiah Pacheco did what he did against the Eagles, you would like to think he can do even better 
against the Raiders. So hopefully the Chiefs can continue to run a little more because I would guarantee you there would be more um, more positive things and you would not have to rely on your receivers more. Yes, I went there. 13th in points per game, uh, in points allowed per game, excuse me, uh, giving up 20 and a half points per game on average. Max Crosby, I mentioned, everybody knows about him. Um, uh, I think it was Harlan and Trent Green. They did the, um, the, the Raiders and Dolphins game. And they talk about Max Crosby, who has played more snaps than any pass rusher this year, uh, which is insane. He's played like 98% of the snaps, which is crazy uh, and good on him. He doesn't seem like he slows down ever. Uh, this guy's tied fifth in the NFL in sacks, 10 and a half, second in tackles for a loss with 14. So, you know, Jawan Taylor and Max Crosby is going to be uh, definitely going to be one where the Raiders have the advantage. Second on the team in sacks is linebacker Robert Spillane. Uh, he also leads the team in tackles with 94, uh, just outside of the top 10 in the NFL in tackles. So there's a big gap between one and two in total sacks on the Raiders defense, which is why they're not very good. Uh, I told you, <laughs> told you the numbers earlier. Uh, they're allowing a lot of yards, uh, especially uh, on the ground. Uh, Tyree Wilson. Adam Butler, uh, two very bad defensive tackles on that Raiders defensive line. So, you know, it's uh, listen, I, I'll just say this. I have very high expectations from Joe Tooney, Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey. Uh, I think it's going to be a very good day for those three there. It's the offensive tackle play that I'd be worried the most. Uh, Max Crosby, pretty good. Um, pretty good uh, offensive or excuse me, defensive uh, and, and uh, definitely going to find a way to get to Patrick Mahomes in this one. Uh, defensive backs, a uh, very familiar name here. Marcus Peters, who the Chiefs drafted back in 2015 out of Washington. Uh, Chiefs, too, Chiefs tend to really like uh, cornerbacks from Washington, and uh, it's worked out, too. Marcus Peters, he had a pick six against Detroit, going 75 yards coast to coast. Uh, man, I still remember Marcus Peters. His first snap as a defensive back, uh, as a defensive player, I should say. Uh, well, as a defensive back, too. Intercepted. Yeah, uh, fr from the very first snap, Marcus Peters just had a thing for getting to the football. Uh, crazy, crazy. Uh, Amic Robertson and safety Trevon Mooring each have two picks on the year. Mooring and Marcus Epps, not not a good safety tandem there. Look, uh, for as much as I'd like to think the Chiefs are going to run heavy, when we know they're not, at some point they're going to just utilize the hell out of the passing game. Well, you're going to have a chance to uh, to get some uh, opportunities because they don't have a good uh, last line of defense there with their safeties. So the Chiefs, the Chiefs wide receivers have a chance to to win this battle. Now, Marcus Peters, uh, I'm guessing he's going to be going up against Marquez Valdez-Scantling the most. This is a chance to uh, to maybe look other, not not because of MVS's last game, not at all, but because I think Marcus Peters is a good player. And listen, I know a lot of people have their opinions about Peters and his tackling and his um, off-the-field politics because that was a thing uh, before he uh, left the Chiefs. Um, he was very vocal about uh, protesting and whatnot, which I think is silly to let that get in the way of someone's skills. Um, I, I just think it's stupid, but nonetheless, um, I, I, Marcus Peters is still one of the better cornerbacks, not as good as he used to be. Obviously had that, um, torn ACL. He, uh, he had last year, didn't play last year. So, uh, Peter is definitely trying to make the most of his time, uh, with the Raiders. Uh, he grew up in the Oakland area, grew up a Raiders fan. So this is definitely a special moment for him playing for the Raiders this year. 
but I think the Chiefs, you know, when you look at the other defensive backs that the Raiders have, they can definitely beat those guys out. Now, the question is, can they catch? You answer that one. (laughs) You guys can answer that one. Uh, So that is the Raiders defense in a nutshell. Kicker Daniel Carlson, very good season for him. 19 of 22. All three misses have been from long range. So uh, one miss from the 40s and I think two from the 50s or above. So obviously a very consistent kicker there. Punter AJ Cole might be the best punter in the NFL. When you look at his net average, 47.1 per punt. That's the best in the NFL. And when you just look at his regular uh, punt average, uh, that is uh, almost 52 yards per uh, per punt, and that is the second best in the NFL. I think he's the best punter in the league. So uh, the, the Raiders have that going for them. They've got the best pass rusher, maybe, and Max Cro- Okay, maybe not the best pass rusher, but one of the best pass rushers. I would I would argue that Miles Garrett and T.J. Watt are the two best, and they just went head to head recently. Uh, and then uh, DeAndre Carter, uh, top ten in average return yards per play uh, on punt returns. So. That is uh, the Raiders' special teams unit there. Okay. Listen, you keep hearing it. You keep hearing your your leaders, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, all of them saying, we're going to get it fixed. We're going to get it figured out. Well, we, we've been hearing that since week one. The bye week just passed. And against the best team in the NFL, the receivers did not show up. The offense did not show up. They, they did in the first half, but not in the second half. By the way, a uh, very key stat here. The Chiefs averaged 5.9 points per second half coming into Monday Night Football. That's now dropped to 5.3. They've been last in that category for a while now. Uh, they were right behind Washington. Now they're like even further behind. Okay. I'll just say this. You know, um, I, I just don't know how much longer you want people to be patient. Because I'll tell you right now. Um, looking at the Chiefs schedule, obviously they're on the road here, but it is anticipated that there will be a lot of Chiefs fans there because that's just the way games in Las Vegas work now. You get a lot of fans from the opposing team. So you have the Raiders. Then you go visit the Packers. You come back home December the 10th against the Bills. If shit's not figured out by that time, you're getting the Boo Birds from your own fans. And rightfully so. And I think the confidence, a lot of the national media is still confident the Chiefs will win the Super Bowl. Um, but if the Chiefs don't figure it out these next two games, they're also going to join Chiefs fans in the um, in the lack of confidence category, 100%. I did, Look, it's the Raiders. It's a division rival here. You never want to lose, especially when you know you have a lot of fans who are going to travel for this game. So... Step it up. You got to step it up in this one here. I'm going to trust them. I'm going to trust them. My my confidence has gone down, but you got to do it on the road against a division rival when their defense is not good. The Chiefs have faced worse defenses than this, but they're not able to to play well uh, for four quarters. Um, The four quarter complaints has been out there for a while. This is the worst it's been, though. This is the worst it's been. Three straight games, no second half points. That's changing this Sunday, I think. And I'll go for it, man. I think the Chiefs, they'll be able to um they'll be able to rebound and do some things that we haven't seen a lot of this year. So I'm going 34. Woohoo! Yes, 34. I said 34. You guys haven't even heard the second half of it. 
Chiefs 34, Raiders 38. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Raiders 34, or, uh, no. And then, see, now I'm all fat, mixed up here. Chiefs 34, Raiders 17. That is my score prediction. I was actually going to go 27-17, but I said, you know what? If Monday night's not a wake-up call, I don't know what will be. They have to wake up in this game. And if they don't, yeah, you know the drill after that. 34-17, Chiefs. That's my pick right there. All right, hey, quick reminder, no Red Friday live chat this Friday. Enjoy your time with your families. I know you guys probably all have better things to do on a holiday Friday. So uh, no Red Friday live chat this Friday. There will not be a podcast Sunday uh, after the game. Um, will there be a live portion of some sort? Yes. It's not going to be um, like the regular pregame, halftime, and postgame live stream. It's not going to be that kind of uh, live live stream uh, for the game on Sunday. There will be some sort of a of a live stream. I will put it uh, that way. So please uh, make sure you tune in for that. All right, guys. I'm Farzine Vasugian. I am out. Happy Thanksgiving once again. Be safe. Be kind to everyone working. Take care of yourselves. Enjoy the holiday.